Welcome in, fight fans, here on Unlocking the Cage on a Friday. I'm Ryan McKinnell, in for Jimmy Smith. And on this podcast edition of Unlocking the Cage, I speak to UFC lightweight Dan Hangman Hooker about whether his visa issues are going to keep him out of UFC 266 next weekend. Also, I talked to Brandon Sixgun Gibson to break down and to revisit the story career of newly retired Carlos, the natural-born killer condom. You know him, you love him, one of the most exciting fighters at 155, and hopefully we get to see him at UFC 266 next Saturday. The Hangman, Dan Hooker, joining us on a Friday. Dan, I usually ask how the hell everyone's doing, but, bro, you are in a bit of some chaos right now, Dan. Um, Chaos is not the word. Chaos is not the word. Uh this whole camp has been a bit of a it's been a bit of a tricky one, but uh, I feel like I'm close Man. to the finish line. I feel like it's kind of out of like I've taken um, care of absolutely everything I I could possibly take care of. So I feel like now it's now it's out of my hands. So people are feeling like I'm stressed now. It's like now nah, I've kind of been stressed for the last two months. Now I'm I'm pretty oh. I'm pretty content. I'm pretty content with my side of things. Oh, man. So, all right, what we're talking about, obviously you got this fight at 266 with Nazareth Hakparas. We'll see if that happens, but listen, we're, we're relying on you for the update. Yesterday on Twitter, you you, you took to Twitter to, to, to holler at the U.S. Embassy. You're trying to get your visa, your work visa, so you can get over here. Best I can tell, Dan, you said it. I mean, you, you've been pretty vocal about this. You did everything that you could do. You got everything in on time and a time timely matter it's just that new zealand is currently in a level four lockdown because of covid shit's obviously very hectic so things aren't you know uh you know aren't going the way they normally would so you might not make this fight that's the last that we heard from you what's going on can you provide an update are we going to get to see you next saturday yeah so like the timeline was i signed i signed this fight and then the next day, New Zealand went into like a level level four lockdown. So if you don't know like yeah. what that is, that's like stay at your house. You're not allowed to um, leave your house. And of course, with that, the U.S. Embassy here in Auckland uh, has been closed. They told me, you know, there was some back and forth. They told me they knew the timeline. Uh, they said, all right, this is three weeks ago. Send your passport in. They know the timeline and we'll see if we can get it done like through the mail. Um, but yeah, they messaged me yesterday morning and were like, oh, maybe the end of next week we might be able to sort something out. And I was just like, that is just not. <laughs> that's that doesn't, just not that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like that right. doesn't work. So that's uh, and and just me by myself, like my own voice um, wasn't wasn't didn't look like it was getting them to budge. Um, anything so i got mma twitter behind me i got the people behind me as i as i do when i need to get something done as i get the people's support behind me which they were awesome it seems like it's had like some form of effect because i got a message all right um, out of the what 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 listen listen oh wait oh <laughs> shit okay all right i jumped the gun yes. i jumped the gun i jumped the gun i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> so my flight my flight is tomorrow um, that is not 
going to happen. I have a visa appointment Monday, New Zealand time. So that's Sunday in the US. Um, they said absolutely no promises. You come in for a visa appointment. If that does ha happen, which I have my fingers absolutely crossed that I get uh, my visa approved Monday, which means I'll probably get it back Tuesday. Um, New Zealand, you can only fly out of the country either there's only flights tomorrow which is sunday or thursday so the plan going forward go to my appointment <laughs> monday get my visa tuesday fly out thursday uh and arrive in the u.s so that'll be arrive in the u.s thursday in las vegas thursday about 8 p.m thursday way in friday fight saturday that's the plan. Okay, Psycho. <laughs> That's, that, that is the most – okay, I, so I, I, it's like twofold. On one hand, I'm a glass half full type of guy, and I hear this. I'm like, well, shit, Dan Hooker, you're not going to have to do media day. You get to avoid all the fight week nonsense. But then the second part of it, that's the most insane fight week story I've ever heard, and I would never want to cut weight, think about an opponent, and think about a fight with what you might be going through. But it sounds like as long as you get to fight next Saturday, that's all you give a shit about. That's like um, what a what a way what a more fitting way to end the saga, you know. <laughs> um, oh. To go through everything I've gone through, like during this camp. Uh, oh man, oh, I can get into all of that if you want, but uh, you know the because we like started a bubble at the gym and we were training at the gym, and then um, the the police came along and and you know shut that down. Kept training, like I've been continue, continuing to train like at my house here in Auckland and, and grinding it out, man. It's been, uh, it's been a real battle to oh. get in shape and stay fit. And, and the amount of work I've put in to get to this point has been, um, it's been tough, like pretty incredible. So then to, so then to get to this moment and then withdraw over like a little bit of jet lag is just a joke. Like that's an absolute joke to me. Um, that's, that's, that's green light to me. I, I, my, I, I'm glass, I'm glass full. My glass is full. I'm excited. <laughs> You're clearly excited, man. I hope this all works out for you. I hope you get that visa. And I hope this just adds to the crazy story of the last, you know, I mean, it, I know it's been the last, I know it's been the last couple months, but really, man, I mean, when you, the last time you were here, you had to quarantine for like six weeks when you went back to New Zealand. I remember you were missing your family. We spoke about that. It's just, you have, a sort of mental toughness, man, that I just, I don't think it's being talked no enough about. You're very happy go lucky. You're a very, I mean, you're a fighter's fighter and we all appreciate that, but you really are putting up with a lot these last couple of years. And, and again, I applaud Australia. I applaud New Zealand for what they're trying to do, but it's creating havoc for international workers, for international, obviously a fighter like yourself. You talked about the trouble you mm. got in the law with the law for trying to, you know, institute some training sessions. It's just, I would imagine this has been really difficult for you man yeah it's been like the the pandemic times uh have not been kind to fighters from the right. side of the world it, it's been um it's been incredibly difficult and uh like the bad thing about it is i don't see it, it it's going anywhere but it's come out with like this camp it's come to yeah. the point now that 
like some something something big needs to shift like we need to shift um like i can't speak for for my team um like the city kickboxing team but it looks like uh we'll have to we'll have to make a move we'll have to move offshore because fighting fighting out in new zealand and and fighting from where we are is got to the point now where it's uh it's it's impossible um just so many roadblocks are, are getting in the way so moving forward uh you know get this fight out of the way i do have a voucher to get back into the country which i booked in <laughs> may so i've had for i booked five months ago to get back into the country um and i was lucky enough to get a spot that's why i'm so adamant on fighting for this day it's not it's not uh, as simple um of a procedure is oh just push it a week or push the fight two weeks because then then i would then i would come to the states fight and then i i just can't go home uh i can't return to new zealand for mm, at least six months i want to say i would have to spend at least six months uh out of new zealand before i was able to get back into the country so yeah it looks like bang this fight out of the way and then uh we'll be having having to make a shift here with dan hooker dan i i'm curious man you you have this i mean we all see your your fight acumen and how dangerous you are in the cage but i've gotten to speak with you now a couple of times over the years and i'm always kind of blown away by your your your, your sort of positive nature your sort of happy go lucky attitude you are you're a glass full guy you're a glass half full guy you're you're sort of able to take these chaotic times make them work for you you, you kind of plow through anything i think it's a testament again to this sort of the sort of mindset you bring to as a fighter what do you you sort of attribute that mindset and that sort of attitude too, because I'm I, Dan, I can't say that a lot of fighters would be as happy and as seem, seemingly content with the situation <laughs> that you are, because again, it's a testament to what you're, I guess you're taking all this and you're making it a part of your armor. I don't really, I can't speak for you, but I am curious as to what you attribute, you know, the, the, the sort of attitude and how you got here and you're able to keep that sort of North star. Yeah, I, I see it as a as a test, as a challenge. It's a it's a challenge. Like all these all these obstacles getting in the way, like the country um, locking down, not being able to get in, not being able to get out. Uh, it's just it's just a test. It's just a it's just a challenge. Like we physically um, we physically push out push ourselves to the absolute extreme. Um, to prepare for the sport training every day is, is obviously physically challenging, but this in itself is, is just another mental test or, or another mental challenge. And it's just, it's just a personal thing. I couldn't, if it's in my control, I can't, I can't just let it slide. Like that's, that's my fault um, to sit out and just wait until this storm kind of passes is not an option to me. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to, I'm going to face the storm head on. Um, it's just, it's just a challenge to me. That's, that's, it's just the way you view things. I like that. I like that a lot. Challenges, building your armor, whatever it may be, right? You're taking a bad, gnarly situation, and you're trying to make it work for you. And, I, and really, I guess, Dan, in times of chaos and in times of turmoil, that's really all you can ask for because you're not stopping it. Like, we're not single-handedly going to stop COVID. There's you know, not a lot we can do there, so you got to make it work for us, I guess. No, and, like, uh, I've received the amount of messages I'm getting from people um, here in New Zealand just because – like everything, everything's been closed. This has been like 
this last lockdown has been the longest lockdown uh, in New Zealand. And so there's so many people whose, whose businesses have been closed for the last five, six weeks. Like their businesses have been impacting. They're like sitting here, they're stressed, they're pulling their hair out. But then they're looking at me and they're just going, this guy is still going to fly over to the other side of the world and fight one of the best fighters in the world inside of a cage under these circumstances. I'm sure I can get out of bed and, and go for a run or get out of the bed and, and That's awesome. keep working on my business and, and keep, keep grinding. So I'm receiving like a lot of messages from people here in New Zealand that are looking at me going like, man, this guy's nuts. Like if he can do it, I can do it. So I feel like if I go, yeah, I'm going to, nah, this is too much. Like this is too much. I'm going to have to withdraw. There'll be a lot of people that will look and say, well, look, Dan Hooker's nuts and he quit. Then I like, it makes it okay for them to quit. So I feel like as long as I stay in it, as long as I'm in the fight, um, as long as I'm pushing forward, then all of these other people behind me uh, are, are staying in this fight here in New Zealand as well. Well, you are a proud Kiwi, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, uh, people see it. They might not even be from New Zealand, right? But they, they see that sort of love you have for your people, for your, for your home. And, 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 and that, that feeling is reciprocated, as you said, by the messages you receive. Let me ask you this, man, because you talked about it. You can't speak for you know Israel Adesanya. You can't speak for City Kickboxing. You can't speak for the entirety of the team. But you kind of floated the idea, listen, COVID is probably not going away, at least any time in the near future. And obviously, you find yourself in this scenario with the visas and i mean it's a whole thing right you floated the idea of maybe relocating how serious are you about a potential relocation and and where the heck would you end up going is there a gym out there that you might want to link up with would you kind of start your own camp how much how much serious thought have you given this dan i've really been focusing on this fight you know, I, that it's, makes sense. it's difficult. For the, there's been a lot of challenge. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. fight, getting to this dance has been uh, like a lot of a lot of concentration to to kind of get through this fight. Uh, I to, I can't speak for the team at City Kickboxing because we haven't sat down and spoken about it. I haven't sat down and spoken with Eugene or because I know like the other guys are booked. Brad Riddell's signed for a fight this year. Kaikara France is fighting Cody Garbrandt in December. Both of those guys don't have visas to get back into the, I mean, don't have uh, spots to get back into the country. So once they come over and fight, uh, they're stuck here in the U.S. So, like, whether we make a move as a team and and find a location and, and set up shop and, and train, um, or whether I go out on on my own, um, if those guys can get back into New Zealand and the team wants to kind of wait it out, that's that's up to them. I think we're going to have to sit down and have a discussion. I'm lucky enough that I've trained, I've trained um, around the world. I've trained in Thailand. I've trained um, in the US with Team Elevation with guys like Neil Magny and uh, Corey Sanhagen, Drew Dober. Like I've spent um, some time with those guys, and so I do have some roots there and. In Denver and Colorado, so that'll be co- really cool to see those guys and um, get back in the gym with those guys. So yeah, it's um, it's exciting. The future's exciting. Like uh, once you you know maybe like a year ago, everything was the map was planned out. Everything was kind of planned out. This is it's exciting to have it thrown up in the air and having to to reevaluate at this stage. 
Yeah, chaos is nothing if not exciting. All right, so Monday is your meeting with the embassy. Hopefully you get your visa, and then Thursday you're flying hopefully out of New Zealand because, well, that's the only time you can get a flight out of New Zealand. Dan, I hope this works out just so I can talk to you afterwards. You are going to be in for what could potentially be one of the craziest weeks for any UFC slash MMA fighter to ever exist. Bro, I am wishing you the best, (laughs) and I really, really, really hope we get to see you at UFC 266 because – I really mean this. You earned it. Thank you very much. You will see me. Positive attitude. Positive attitude. We'll yes. Get there. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Keeping the positivity going. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. After a near 20-year career, 32 wins, 28 by knockout or submission, the natural-born killer Carlos Condit says goodbye to professional mixed martial arts. We certainly thank him for the memories and all the great fights. And to talk about those memories and those great fights, we bring on right now the striking wizard out at Jackson Wink MMA, the longtime striking coach of Carlos Condit and one of the best in the business period, Brandon Six-Gun Gibson, joining us on a Friday. Brandon, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing great, man. It is a hot, hot day out here in Albuquerque. It does not feel like fall has quite yet arrived, but uh, that's all right. How you guys? Uh, I'm good, brother. I'm good. And I'm in Vegas, so I feel your proverbial pain. I, I, I completely understand. And, Lil, listen, as we sit here talking about uh, feeling that pain, your boy, natural-born killer Carlos Condit, over almost 20 years Brandon, I don't need to tell you this. He made a lot of people feel that pain. I was talking about Carlos basically for the entirety of this hour, what he meant to the UFC, to the sport, to the welterweight division. Let me let me just ask you this, man. As, as a longtime stalwart of Jackson Wink, Condit was a, a, you know, a staple of that room. What does he mean to you personally You know, as a man that you've worked so closely with? And what does he mean to that gym? Because, uh, Brandon, I, I can't think of that gym i can't think of albuquerque without thinking of carlos condit yeah i mean he he is definitely an icon of mixed martial arts internationally but but even more so within our own community here in albuquerque you know and uh 20 years in the sport he he made a big impact you know he fought a lot of local shows here and and was part of the you know the, the generation that put mma on the map in albuquerque new mexico um you know and in in I feel so fortunate to have come up with Carlos. You know, we're, we're a year apart, um, so we've known each other for many years from when we were young men, uh, you know, and seeing his success early on, and we were hard sparring partners, and then it turned into a, a coach-student role along the way. And But but most importantly, it became a brotherhood, and uh, and I got a lot of love for Carlos. 
Well, we have a lot of love for Carlos as well, Brandon, because, you know, I, I think about the fight of the fight of the nights. I think about the fight of the years. I think about the Robbie Lawler fight and arguably the greatest fight in UFC history. What are what are the moments that are going to stand out for you? Maybe maybe it's a story that we don't even know about, because, as you said, you were very close with that man. And he gave us all so many memories. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to to go through phases with Carlos, right? Like, um, and, and he was one of the first guys that believed in me as a striking coach. I went um, hmm. for, from helping him prepare uh, for the Dan Hardy and Martin Campman fights as a sparring partner um, to the Nick Diaz fight serving as a coach. And so that was one of the big leaps in, in my career and my own development. And, uh, and I couldn't have done it without his belief in me as, as a coach and as a, a, a pad holder and, you know, all the, all the elements, you know, helping break down the strategy and the game plan and, and trusting in me. And, um, you know, if I, uh, I don't know if I could pick one moment, man, we've had so many adventures over the years and, and done so many camps <laughs> together, but you know, uh, maybe the lead up to the George St. Pierre fight, um, just, just the Rocky style training we were doing. And I remember doing this countdown show and we were on top of uh, the Sandia Peak here in Albuquerque, which is about 11,000 feet uh, above the city and uh, and training in a near blizzard condition and, and just that mental push and that fortitude and that heart and resiliency he always brought to each and every fight um, was really forged in those training camps. And it, um, I just learned a lot from it. I drew a lot from it, and I'm forever inspired by uh, his approach to this game. We're with Jackson Wing, head striking coach, Brandon Gibson, talking a little Carlos Condit here on a Friday. Brandon, you know, as we talk about Carlos, we talk about the impact that he left on the sport. You know, I'm curious about the impact that he left on you. You said that you actually used to spar with this dude. I go back to that infamous video now. I mean, hardcore MMA fans will know what I'm talking about. It was years ago. Carlos was over in Afghanistan, and he was talking to uh, a, a group of veterans. I don't know if they were special forces. I don't I, I don't recall exactly what their, yeah, their titles a, were, but they, they were th- – Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, Brandon, fill fill the listeners in, right? Like he gets challenged to a sparring match, and essentially they're like, "Well, how hard do you want to go?" And he said, "Well, hit me as hard as you want to get hit." And I don't want to bury the lead here, but it ended up with one of those soldiers on their ass after that that sparring. Bro- like I'm, I, you know better than anyone. You you sparred with Carlos Condit. That guy brought it every single time, sparring or not. Well, and Carlos's story of that is funny, too, because he said that he'd already done maybe like 10 rounds. So it's like a shark tank, right, where each and each round was a fresh guy. And he's like, Brian, I was sparring guys that were like 230, 240, um, big dudes, big dudes, big dudes. And he said, and then that last guy comes out, you know, and I was tired. And he came out pushing the pace, and I warned him, like, hey, I'll go as hard as you go. And, and he was gunning for it, so I let him know. And uh, yeah, I think somebody's there to count yeah. One of Carlos's, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it, it lives forever in this sort of ethos, ethos of mixed martial arts lore. It's, it's, I, I would, I just saw it today and I was like, oh man, I forgot about that. It was just, that's like, I, it's those little notches in the belt that si- sort of build the legend and the lore of certain fighters. And I was talking about it, Brandon, to start the hour in terms of, 
you know, nicknames in the sport, right? The Iceman, Chuck Liddell. You know, he lived up that notorious Conor McGregor. Definitely living up to that moniker. You know, certainly notorious, especially the last couple of months and some of the stuff that's been going on. And then I think about the natural-born killer, Carlos Condit. Brandon, I, I feel like few have lived up to their nickname more than Carlos. That's what I'm always going to remember about Carlos, the finishing instinct, that killer mentality. Because, Brandon, I mean, you can speak to this. I mean, it's a dangerous sport, and everyone who fights in it is dangerous. But not everyone has that killer instinct and the mental acumen to kind of know when you have someone hurt mm-hmm. and, and the lack of fear to follow it up. To me, Brandon, Carlos was the, the entire package, really was the natural-born killer. Absolutely. He's so intelligent, right? Like, um, worked so hard to develop his technique and his craft, right? Like, I'll never take that away. Um, you know, took amazing care of his body throughout these years. That's why his, his career was yeah. so long at, at the level it was at. Um, he is a chess player, but yeah, at the end of the day, he had that kill or be killed mindset and, and he carried it through his entire career. There wasn't just flashes of it. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's chapters of it, um, you know, for, from his early fights in, in Albuquerque and into Japan and King of Pancrase and Rumble on the Rock right. and his run through the WEC, you know, and he was the perpetual underdog always, always. And um, that, that natural born killer instinct in him, I think was always that deciding factor that helped him push through and, uh, and take out some legendary fighters. So let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you could use one word to describe Carlos Condit, one word to remember Carlos Condit, what's the word you would use? Uh, one of our uh, one of our jokes in training, sometimes we just yell like, intensity. <laughs> so, man, Carlos is just an intense guy. Sometimes when he, he's right. a little too, like, giving me that natural-born killer look, sometimes I just pause and have to break the ice and lighten it up a little bit, like, intensity, and then he crack out, and then we get right back up low. <laughs> Sometimes That's it was good. a balance. You know, it's That's like, good. hey, man, you could save that killer look for somebody else. And then there was times <laughs> in camp where I'm, you know, trying to draw it out, you know. Um, no, he, he was a very intense fighter. He he never went in there to play games. He never went in there um, with, with like, a sporting or athleticism mindset that, you know, a lot of the current generation do. You know, Carlos went in there to, mm-hmm. to hurt people. And he wasn't afraid to get hurt. And he wasn't afraid to, you know, sometimes he's like, oh, I love the smell of blood in the cage. You know, just just things I don't hear too often from too many others. He's one of a kind. I was going to say, do you do you? He is one of a kind, and I love that intensity line. Do you worry that 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 as the sport progresses and more money gets brought in and TV contracts and stream, whatever, right? Just the, as the sport changes, do you worry that you know the Carlos Condits of the world might not be around? You know, twenty, thirty years from now, what do you think? That intensity, that sort of killer instinct, what do you think? Yeah, we'll see. You know, I I, I think as the sport uh, grows in popularity. Um, as there's there's more gyms, you know, you, you got to think too. Like in the 1990s, when Carlos was a teenager studying under Greg Jackson here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's not like there was MMA gyms across the country and across the the globe. There's very few places that right. were, were teaching this NHB style, right? And so um, now, you know, there, there's jujitsu schools and martial arts gyms all you know at every corner, and and that's a great thing. That's a great thing for everybody, but. Um, yeah, we, we we may not have the same kind of mindset um, in, in future generations, and maybe we'll see sparks of it, but for somebody like Carlos that was able to maintain it from, you know, fighting as a teenager in Mexico all the way through, you know, up to 38 years old, still fighting in the UFC, I, mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how things develop, but uh, Carlos is one of a kind, that's for sure. 
Well, Brandon, we got about a minute left. Uh, I'm going to get you out of here after this question. Listen, there are a lot of Natural Born Killer fans out there. I am certainly one of them. I very much enjoyed watching his career. Is he going to stick around mixed martial arts? I think he. we talk about his acumen, his, his mental prowess, his intelligence, right? I think he would make a great coach. Do you think that might be something that's in his future? You know, he, he's he's already, you know, working on coaching a bit. Um, he, he's teaching uh, nice. MMA and striking and, and jiu-jitsu at a 10th Planet School here in Albuquerque. Um, but Carlos is a, is a very interesting man with a, a lot of hobbies and a lot of incredible insight. And uh, I think <laughs> no matter what he chooses to put his focus and mindset to, he's going to be successful at it. And um, I'm really excited to see the next chapter for my brother and, uh, you know, whatever he chooses to conquer next. Brandon Gibson, thank you so much for joining us on a Friday. Thank you for uh, helping shape the natural born killer, man, because, I mean, I know you had a lot to do with that striking wizardry that we saw in the cage, and he certainly provided us with a lot of great moments. So we appreciate it. We appreciate you giving us a few minutes here on a Friday, man. No problem, guys. It's been a fun ride. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Merck. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.